Our Bible reading is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honour and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We're beginning a new series today called The Bible for Life. And the idea being, as the saying goes, that just as a, a dog is for life and not just for Christmas, so the Bible is for life and not just for Sundays or for us to pick it up whenever we feel like it and shelve it, gathering dust in between. And so over the, the next three months, we're going to be taking a step-by-step -step journey into the depths of God's Word, not only to gain a deeper knowledge and understanding, but to have a, a greater delight and hunger as we feast on the amazing promises and truths within it, and then apply them to our lives. And we'll be doing this as part of our 100 days of Bible reading and prayer, setting out the market as followers of Jesus to be even more truth grounded and Holy Spirit filled as we look to the plans the Lord has for us this year. And if you want to join us in the 100 days of Bible reading and prayer program and you're not part of our church, then please do get in touch with our church office and we can send you the program. Well, back in 2014, I had the privilege of going to China with the Bible Society and every day I was challenged afresh and quite overwhelmed by the knowledge and hunger for God's Word the Christians had there wherever we went. And it was such a stark contrast to my own experience in the West and how casually God's Word was so often taken and treated. And on one particular occasion it stood out to me and is still as real as if it happened yesterday. We were visiting a black Yi ethnic church in the Kunming area in South China. And one of the pastors there told me how he had been a boy during the Cultural Revolution in China. That was 1966 to 76. When the authorities confiscated every Bible they could find. And he could remember the public burning of Bibles in their main square. And I asked him how they kept strong in the faith and, and he replied, his pastor at the time, having been taught by missionaries in the 1940s, had memorised the whole of John's Gospel word for word and had memorised other passages, but he'd memorised the whole of John's Gospel word for word and as a result could keep teaching the believers and encourage them with God's word as they met in secret. And it was actually in 1989 that they received their first copies of scripture again. And just, just think about this. This pastor had memorised the whole of John's Gospel 
21 chapters, word for word. Imagine if all our Bibles were taken from us. Our phones, our, our iPads with the Bible apps completely wiped clean. No written word of God for us to read. I wonder what passages we would be able to cite by memory. I wonder how much of scripture we would actually know in order to be able to teach and encourage one another. And when I think about this, I feel so challenged, challenged as a pastor, challenged as a follower of Jesus, challenged as a son of my heavenly dad. And in an appropriate way, I hope you feel challenged too. See, what we have in our hands, the written word, is so precious and valuable, so dynamic and powerful, it really can turn the world upside down and inside out and bring God's transforming love, peace and hope that our planet so desperately needs. And yet so often we treat it, as Gandhi once said, little more than a piece of literature. But this is so much more than as a book, than a book. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, it's a, a lamp for our feet guiding us. It's sharper than a sword convicting us. It's food for our souls feeding us. It's a still small voice speaking to us. A refining fire purifying us. Living and active, breathing through us. It makes us battle ready for the struggles and tests that we face. And it keeps us safely on the rock of unshakable and enduring promises. In other words, the Bible is life for us. If only we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and the hearts to receive the truths within it. And the Bible is for life. And so the invitation to each one of us as we begin this new series is simply this. Let's do this together. You know, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to walk fast, walk alone. But if you want to walk far, walk together. I like that. If you want to walk fast, walk alone. But if you want to walk far, walk together. You know, we want to walk far in faith, don't we? We want to complete this journey of faith and finish well. So let's grow and learn together. Let's be intentional about reading and meditating on God's word day and night together, as Joshua was commanded to do in that opening chapter of Joshua, when he was encouraged to be strong and courageous, and the Lord told him to meditate on God's word day and night. And let's delight in the law of the Lord together, knowing as the psalmist writes in Psalm 1, the blessings that flow upon us, namely, will be like trees planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaves shall also not wither, and whatever we do shall prosper. Well, now let's uh, just want us to think about the written word itself. I don't know about you, but I always find a few established facts are helpful in setting the scene and putting things into perspective. And when it comes to the Bible as the written word, there are so many striking and significant facts that we should be aware of. Let me just give you a few. For example, over a hundred million copies of the Bible are sold every year. And the Bible is the best-selling book in all of history, 
with total sales exceeding 5 billion copies. That the complete Bible has been translated into 532 languages and has been partially translated into 2,883 languages and this is an ongoing work. And when you compare this to works like Shakespeare's works which overall have been translated in just over 100 languages or the Quran which in its complete form has been translated into 47 languages. There is no other book like it on the planet. And then add to that the authenticity, the accuracy, the integrity of the Bible as a historical document. As one of the greatest text critics, F.J.A. Hall, once wrote, is absolutely and unapproachably alone amongst ancient prose writings. Nothing compares to it. Just take the New Testament text, for example. It was written between AD 40 and 100, with the oldest surviving full text of the New Testament being the Codex Sinaiticus, dated around about 325 AD, discovered at St. Catherine's Monastery at the base of Mount Sinai in Egypt in the 1840s. And we have over 5,000 Greek text copies of the New Testament. We have 10,000 in Latin, 9,300 in others like Aramaic, and 36,000 sightings of the New Testament text in the early church fathers' writings. And you, you compare that to other ancient texts at the times, whose historicity have, have, have always been authenticated, such as Caesar's Gaelic Wars, for example, written between 58 and 50 BC. The earliest copy found 950 years later, with only 20 copies in total. The Bible stands supreme. The Bible stands unapproachable in its nature and status as a historical document. And then what of the text itself? In our Protestant tradition, we have 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Written over a period of 1,500 years by at least 40 authors, including kings and scholars, philosophers, priests, shepherds, fishermen, poets, historians and doctors, and containing a whole range of genres including history, narrative, poetry, prophecy, letters and apocalyptic literature. And the whole of it ultimately pointing to one Lord and Saviour. In fact, the most commonly used word in the Bible is Lord. And then lastly, noting through history, how many people have been and still are prepared to suffer in order to have their own copy of the Bible and even die in order that others might read it in their own language. For example, the amazing man William Tyndale, who produced the first printed edition of the New Testament in English. And because of that, in 1536, was later burned at the stake for his work and his sacrifice. And these are just a few of many significant facts that point to this unequaled and preeminent written document we call the Bible, the Word of God. How we have to treat it and cherish it as a special book for ourselves. And you know over the weeks and months we'll be seeing how it's so much more than a book. But I want to bring this talk, this introduction to land by finishing with a statement. 
Just reading the Bible, this book, will change your life forever. Simply opening the pages of these words will bring life and light into a dark place, as Peter writes in that passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, David Suchet, that, the, Suchet the great actor who plays Hercule Poirot, that's my attempt of a little bit of a French accent, Hercule Poirot, <laughs> well, he testifies how a number of years ago he was lying in a hotel bath when he had that sudden and impulsive desire to open and to read the Bible. And he found a Gideon New Testament in a drawer. And as he read these words, he came to faith in Jesus. And this is what he says. In the New Testament, I suddenly discovered the way that life should be followed. It's here. In the New Testament, I suddenly discovered the way life should be followed. And my own testimony is similar in one sense coming through a life-threatening car accident in Austria at the age of 18. I literally opened the pages of the Bible and landed on these words, 1 John 4, 16. God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And my life was radically transformed from then onwards. And why is this so? Because these written words are truth. And truth is manifested in personality. And ultimately that personality is the person of Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life. Even Jesus' enemies could see this. In Matthew 22 verse 16, when some Pharisees and Herodians came to test and to trap Jesus about paying taxes, they began with these words, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. They could see it. You see, the enemy, the, the devil, and the demonic powers of darkness, they know that these written words are truth. That is why the devil had to flee when he was trying to tempt Jesus in Matthew 4. And when Jesus cited scripture by saying, it is written, he had to flee. The written word is the truth. And the whole of it, Old and New Testament, testifies ultimately to the personality of truth, Jesus Christ our Lord. Darkness knows this and trembles. The question is, do we know this and rejoice? This is why Peter in this second letter, warning the believers about the devised fables and the damaging doctrines that were beginning to infiltrate the church. This is why he was clear and defined when he says, we have the prophetic word confirmed. That word confirmed, it's sure, it's steadfast, it's firm. It's like a rock that we can stand on. And then he goes on to say, which you do well to heed, pay attention to, as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He's pointing to when Jesus comes again. And then he goes on to say, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Peter is saying to the church, to us, Jesus was and he is the fulfilment of the Old Testament law and the prophetic words which all testify to him 
the truth. And this truth came about not through the will of people, their own ideas and concepts, but by the Spirit of God revealed to us. And his message is clear. As soon as we start to mess about with this truth, with our own private interpretations and explanations, things that suit us and our needs, we open the door to deceptive doctrines creeping in and to false teachings leading us astray. And, and we've seen this time and time again throughout history. And we see this time and time again in our own culture, especially these past few years, as an increasing, increasingly secular society has moved further and further away from the truths of Scripture and replaced it with a godless relativism where anything goes. If you want to believe it, you can. It doesn't matter what you do or the lifestyle that you choose and lead. Grace covers it all. Not true, says Peter in his next chapter. And with these stark words, he says, well, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and if he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Judgment is coming when Jesus comes again. But the good news is the hope for us, which is our anchor, his love and his peace and his joy, which is poured into our hearts. God has given us his word, the word of truth. And his invitation is for each one of us to open it and to live by it. I love the picture that is painted in Proverbs chapter 3. That was one of our readings for uh, earlier on in the hundred days of Bible reading and prayer. But in Proverbs chapter 3, when, we, when a father says to his son, Son, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You see, this father knows what is best for his child. He knows the very best thing. It's not all the treasures and materialism and all of those things. The very best thing for his child is for God's mercy and truth to be the link between the head and his heart and to be the source flowing out of his heart into the rest of his body. And this is the same for us. Our Heavenly Father has given us the very best thing for life. The presence of his mercy and the truth of his word. And he's asking us, if you like, to bind it around our necks. To write it on our hearts. To trust him with the truths within it, without leaning on our own understanding, knowing that he will lead us and he will guide us along the path. And so as we begin this series, I want to encourage each one of us, and especially those that maybe for whatever reason have just left this book on the shelf, gathering dust, to take hold of the written word, 
to open it, to read it, to learn it, and to cherish it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you love us so much, that you have the very best for us. And Father, we, we just want to say we are so sorry, not only for living our lives our own way, but for ignoring your word to us, for not cherishing it in the way that we should, for not feeding on it and the truths within it, and for not living by it. We thank you for your word. And we pray that day by day we would be like those trees by living waters. We would be those that meditate on your word day and night. As you saturate us with your presence. And as you fill us to overflowing. To know your voice. To hear you speaking. And to live in faith. And obedience. I pray for every person right now, Lord, that you would ignite that passion, that hunger for your word more than ever before. For myself and for each one of us, that we would have that desire to learn scripture, to allow it to feed every part of us, to, yeah, to saturate every part of us that literally the words of scripture would flow out of our lives, into our everyday lives, into our work, into our families, into our homes, into our conversations. And that those around us would be touched and impacted by what you're saying. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your written word. Teach us day by day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.